All right, time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay, on yesterday's show, uh, David Eby on, mm-hmm. and we talked about his new housing plan. Uh, you know, his ambitious plan. I mean, there's I'll a say the least. There's a ton of stuff in here, yeah. and there's already a pushback on some of it from some quarters. <laughs> but generally, it's about creating more housing, more rental housing. And there's a lot of um, a lot of really ambitious sort of, sort of targets. What jumped out at you there? Well, what jumped out at me was a major reach by the provincial government into what is usually considered to be municipal territory. Yeah. Uh, talked to one uh, former councillor yesterday, pointing out that okay, three allowing three houses on one lot and yeah. secondary suites. Well, that brings into uh, issues such as parking, sewage. Uh, utilities, all these things that are costs that the municipalities uh, bear. So we haven't seen the fine print on some of this stuff. Not sure how the lot, how big the lot has to be to allow three properties, for example. But it is ambitious. It's the most aggressive housing plan we've ever seen, I think, and it's uh, it's it's certainly going to turn some heads. Okay. Well, on that precise point, I asked EB about that yesterday. Concerns from municipalities that if you allow all this densification mm-hmm. in like single-family neighborhoods. What do you do about parking? What do you do about, you know, garbage collection, that kind of thing? Here's what he had to say to me. This is EB on the show yesterday. And we need to respond to this housing crisis proportionally. It's serious for families out there. And I know sometimes it's a pain to look for parking for a little bit longer. But to compare that to the the strain and stress of families and individuals who just can't find a place to live, um, I think we need to just refocus. Okay, so it's a pain to find a parking spot sometimes, but uh, hey. It is a pain. I live in Fairfield in Victoria, which is generally a single-family dwelling neighborhood. Uh, Even with just single-family dwellings, parking's a real um, bone of contention, shall we say. Uh, But that's not to say that I wouldn't welcome more. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of sort of gentle densification, which is not having, you know, necessarily... Uh, high rises everywhere, but allowing two or three more properties on a lot and a secondary suite. Uh, it would it would worsen my parking situation, but I'm willing to put up with it. What that. happens when David Eby, if he becomes premier and suddenly starts trying to bigfoot all these municipalities mm-hmm. and telling them you've got to allow this densification, you've got to build more housing, or we're going to we're going to withhold transfer yeah. payments to you or something. Could, well, very similar to what Pierre Poliev is uh, yeah. promising at right. the federal level, right? Yeah. So he, he's threatening to withhold infrastructure money. Yeah. Um, uh, David Eby, I don't think he's threatened to do that, but this could set up a bit of a showdown. He has talked about some sort of penalties or incentives. Well, incentives, I haven't heard yeah. so much about penalties, but okay. you're right. I mean, it's, it's going to be a carrot and stick approach, I would yeah. think. It's Again, it's very ambitious plan. That's assuming he's going to be leader. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we had uh, Angelie Avadurai, the climate activist, filed her papers yesterday uh, to be candidate, official candidate for the NDP leadership race. hasn't been granted, uh, hasn't been validated by the party yet. Once one step closer. Okay. Speaking of that, I asked David Eby about that yesterday, and this was a guy who, when he got into the race, it looked like it was going to be just a coronation that he might mm-hmm. not even have to run against anyone; that he would just be acclaimed. So the cakewalk, though, is not really turned out the way it was supposed to, because you got Anjulia Potter, as you mentioned, who's a climate change activist in British Columbia, comes along. He seemed annoyed that she was running at all against yeah. him. And uh, now, of course, you hear lots of stories. We've talked about this a lot, that she may have signed up thousands of people she in the environmental She says she has signed movement. up thousands of people. Yeah. And wow. now, I, now the question is, now she's officially filed the, the paperwork to be on the ballot here, to go up against head-to-head with EB here. And I asked him yesterday, 
there's a lot of speculation the party brass could disqualify her because the party wants EB in there, not her. Mm-hmm. So could they disqualify her and take her name off the ballot? And I asked him if he's if he's willing, if he wants to see her name on the ballot and if he's willing to run against her, and here's what he told me. And when you're in a hole, as we are in the housing crisis, you need to stop digging. We can't lose that affordable housing. So supporting nonprofits to be able to buy these buildings, giving the province a right of first refusal when they go up for sale, uh, will allow us to um, preserve that affordable rental housing. Okay, Wrong so clip. that was my mistake. <laughs> So let's play the right clip here. Although that was an interesting point he just yeah. made about his housing plan. But here he is talking about Anjalia Potterai, his potential can, uh, opponent here. I think we should have a, a leadership race. I think there's a benefit to, to taking stock where we're at, to looking at new ideas. And, uh, and I feel good about where my campaign is at, and I look forward to the debate. Right, and she should not be disqualified by the party from running against you. Well, that would make it hard to have the race, Mike. I understand she's okay. uh, possibly the only other candidate. Yeah, kind we'll of see gave, what happens. Gave me a kind of a tricky answer. See there. what happens. I mean, uh, a couple things: will her candidacy be validated and yeah. allowed? The other thing is, will her memberships that she signed up be allowed to stand? If, uh, say, for example, for some caucus members, tell me that a whole bunch of Ferry Creek protesters who were charged, um, twelve hundred people charged it, will they be allowed to be members of the NDP in good standing? Will some of the people who blockaded roads and bridges, who apparently have signed up, be allowed to be members in good standing? Uh, there's well, an expectation. Well, how, could they, how could they possibly disqualify those people? They could say, what, if you have a criminal party can, criminal record, you're party not allowed can, to be a member of the party? party can do anything it wants. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a, it's, there's no rule book here. Right? Yeah. Um, the Conservatives nationally um, disqualified Patrick Brown yes. as a leader. Didn't provide a lot of details. And, and again, totally subjective. Parties can do whatever they want. Uh, they have to withstand the public criticism that comes with it. But there's no rule book. There's there's not a there's not a, a rule book or a guide that tells a political party what to do. Okay, real quickly, Health Minister Adrian Dix yesterday announcing some health care measures, including helping a lot. family doctors. Yeah, a lot here. Let's have a listen to what he had to say. One of the key parts of our discussions with the doctors of BC will be easing the burden on family physicians to the extent that through technology and through the reduction of administrative demands, we can reduce that. We're going to do that. Yeah, so that's uh, he's talking there about uh, the payment model. Uh, right now, the government's in negotiations with the doctors of BC for a new agreement. I'm told things are going along pretty good. There's expectation this is going to result in a new deal, and it's going to reduce the number of physicians who will be in the fee-for-service payment program. And as inflation increases, uh, as rents increase, overhead costs for doctors are becoming very challenging. The fee-for-service model just doesn't allow them to meet make ends meet when uh, when the overhead is so uh, so prohibitively expensive. So I think there's going to be alternative payments uh, options uh, negotiated here. The other thing, big thing announced yesterday, scope of practice expansion for pharmacists, pharmacists yeah. and for first responders, paramedics. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's pretty key to allow pharmacists now with more prescription uh, ability and diagnostic ability and going forward and, and first responders have more, more uh, powers as well. So these are pretty big changes. Okay, let me ask you, let's finish up with a story we talked about yesterday. You're a sports fan, I'm a sports fan. We both enjoy baseball. And Aaron Judge, the New York Yankees slugger, mm-hmm. hitting number home run number 60, 
61. That tied him with Roger Maris in the American League. Now, here's the deal. What about, there's three players ahead of him on the major league records, right, for most home runs in a season. And they are, of course, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, and Sammy Sosa, right? All juiced. Yeah. All steroid users. Performance-enhancing drugs. Right. So the debate now is... Should Aaron Judge, if he hits number 62 and passes Roger Maris on the list, is he the real home run king? You know, if the, if the only guys ahead of him were all using roids. A lot of veterans in baseball are saying he would be the true home run king. There's a lot of resentment towards those three for using steroids to get to, to accomplish what they did. And, again, the Hall of Fame will be there for Aaron Judge down the road, I think. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be there for Barry Bonds. Okay, so have a listen to this. Now, this is the son of Roger Maris. Mm-hmm. This is Roger Maris Jr. speaking yesterday about Aaron Judge, who is the real home run champ here. Listen to this. He's clean. He's a Yankee. He plays the game the right way. He should be revered for, you know, being the actual single-season home run champ. I mean, that's really who he is if he hits 62, and uh, and I think that's what needs to happen. I think baseball needs to look at the records, and I think baseball should do something. Okay. Just putting it right out there. Baseball should basically disqualify I don't think Barry Bonds any, I, and, and Sosa and McGuire? I don't think there's any other sport that's more transfixed on statistics yeah. as baseball. I mean, they take those stats very, very seriously. When Maris hit 61, they put an asterisk next to it because he played. He was able to play eight more games than Babe Ruth did. Right. And that was very controversial when, when, when that happened. So uh, there's going to be ongoing debate over Bonds versus I Judge. don't think he can erase his records, though, Barry Bonds. No, I, I mean, don't think he so. hit all those home runs. Yeah. I, don't, so, I can't erase it. I don't think you can erase it. And this again, this is you know, it's sort of just pie in the sky arguing amongst baseball fans. Yeah, who who's the real champ? I mean, this is the stuff that is going to occur in bars till two o'clock. Well, well, it can occur right here too on the open line. Exactly. So you can phone me right now and tell me what you think about that. If you think Aaron Judge should be the real champ here if he hits number sixty-two, which he probably will. All right, Keith Baldry is my guest. Baldry's beat. Lots of phone calls here. Bruce in Cash Creek. Hi, Bruce. Go ahead. Uh, good morning. So I'm going to make a quick comment on the uh, the, the flipping tax. The NDP's yeah. never met a tax it didn't like. Uh, what are we at? About 28, 29 new taxes since they took over, you know, uh, five years ago. No. So um, it's, it's well over 20 anyway. And on the home run king thing, the uh, the fact is, is Barry Bonds and them are the true champions. They were juicing, but so were the pitchers juicing. We all know Roger Clemens and them. They they were juicing too. Oh, so yeah, it's, yeah, okay, yeah. you know uh, the reality is who hit the most in the season. You know Babe Ruth was drunk half the time and hit sixty. So, <laughs> yeah, but that's know, not exa- But hot dogs that wasn't performance enhancing. Yeah, hot dogs are not performance enhancing. Well, like maybe that was for Babe Ruth. Maybe it was. Yeah, for maybe him. it worked for him. Well, that was an interesting point you made about the pitchers being on roids. Well, too. Clemens was. I'm not sure uh, how many other pitchers were. Right. Um, but there were there were a couple of them. But uh, I mean, that's sort of a dark stain on baseball for a few years there. Yeah, but in history of judge that, but like I say, baseball fans love to argue these things far into the night over beers in a bar. On the anti-flipping tax, so the way this would work is if you buy a home and you resell it within two years, mm-hmm. you would be hit with this tax. And EB told me yesterday this is to crack down on speculators. The thing is, though, now there are some exemptions. So if you lose your job, for example, and you have to move, you would not have to pay the tax. You Death get divorced, family, okay, yeah. divorced or death. Yeah. Um, so there are some exemptions. But I said to him yesterday, like, I can think of a ton of other exemptions 
Where, mm-hmm. like, let's say you just you don't like your neighbors anymore. You decide to yeah, move. Yeah, so it's not it's not clear. Well, we haven't seen a lot of the details. It's not clear how much legislation is involved here, whether I actually see a bill or whether it's done through regulation. And, again, the devil's in the details. Okay, Tom and East Van. Hey, Tom. Hi, good morning, everybody. I'm, I'm just calling in regards to your comment uh, about not being able to park in front of your home, ho- your own house and all that. I, I live in East Van, and I rented my top floor. Uh, and I had 1,400 clicks on Marketplace. I had over 200 people calling to see my place. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's crazy. The young people cannot find a place to live. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, uh, like, it's unbelievable. We have to do something drastic. And I, I like parking in front of my house. But, but, man, we have to do something. You know, like, we have to increase uh, the density. We have to let people find a place. Who's going to work at your local restaurant? Who's who can afford to mm-hmm. work at Starbucks? And mm-hmm. we've got to give these people that are struggling, that are just beginning their lives, to just going to college. We've got to give them the opportunity to live somewhere. Like, what do we? You know, we got to get. Where it's not 1986 anymore. We got to get our heads out of you know what and yep. say we've got to make changes here. This I, is working. I yeah. agree. I, th- I think finding people places to live is more important than worrying about your parking spot. Okay, really good call. Thank you for that. Al on the line in Surrey. Hi, Al. Go ahead. Yes, they've ignored completely who is really buying these houses and putting them up in price. And that's mainly people from non-Canadians out of country. Uh, the Orient has hundred, tens of millions of people that are worth probably $5 million and more. They can put uh, buy a house here for a million and a half to three. It's not a big well, deal. Well, the foreign buyers, they did bring in a foreign buyer's tax, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of that has been eliminated. Yeah, I think a lot of that activity's cooled down. I mean, there are a ton of people coming here from Alberta or elsewhere that are buying up houses, too. You know, well, in, in the capital, you know who's buying houses here? People from Metro Vancouver. Yeah, right. They're cashing out there, and they're buying into a slightly cheaper market in, in the capital. That's what's driving housing here. Yeah, let's go to Malcolm in North Vancouver. Hi, Malcolm. I think not only are the Liberals changing their name, the NDP should be called the New Taxation or Continuing Taxation Party, as your first caller alluded to. It just seems that every door they open, oh, there's a tax we can hit you with. There's another tax we can hit you with. It's going to come down to, uh, hopefully at some point, a Peter Finch moment in network. I mean, Matt and Salem are not going to take it anymore. They've got to realize that where's the money going to? Let's see an accounting for where all these taxes are going to. We don't. It's it's that big... Okay. As I call it, the big uh, the big garbage can in the sky, where everything goes into general revenue. Thanks for the call. Well, and then general revenue funds the rest of the government. I mean, you can figure out where these taxes go. I mean, general revenue is the government's budget, and you can see how much goes to healthcare, how much goes to education. Well, well, I would agree with the call to, caller to this extent. I'm not sure we can tax our way out of this problem. Like no, they've tried this, they've brought in a ton of taxes to sort of tamp down demand. As, as one method. I think the other side of the coin is you've got to build more stuff. We have to increase supply. Yep. And that's an EB's plan, too. I so, think that's a, a much bigger component of this. The flipping yeah. tax, I don't think, is going to have the huge impact. That, you know, I don't think it's going to raise a lot of money. But I don't think there's a lot of flipping going on right now. You know, it, it's Maybe a few years ago there was, but that the housing market has cooled, but it ha- it's sort of plateaued at a very high level.